books. So if you've got your Bibles there, open up to the the book of Acts. It's straight after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, da-da, Acts. And we're reading the whole of chapter 1, and it's from the NIV version. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, I won't go as fast as the video. It's a lengthy reading, but you've got no problems about falling asleep because there's so much happening, and it means... The preaching is going to be amazing because there's so much good material here. Let's have a look what happens. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room they were, they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the the zealot, and Judas, son of James, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and he said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested him. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called this field 
field in their language of Kaldama. That field, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time. The the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of us must become a witness with us, with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barasabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lots fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. Fantastic. Am I on? Yes, I am now. Um, Welcome. Can I add my welcome to Dave's? It is good to be here. Um, And it's good uh, for a whole number of different reasons. Um, And as we said earlier, one of our core uh, values is biblical truth. And so this is going to be a key moment in every service uh, where we explain a little bit about what God's word means and what it means uh, for us as well. Uh, Just a quick note, um, this evening we begin a series on Acts. I'm going to come into the centre here. Uh, A series on Acts. Um, And Acts is an epic book. There is so much in Acts and so we can't really hope to cover every single verse here on a Sunday evening. And so we want to invite you to join one of our growth groups in fact, we want everyone who calls, will call this service their home to join one of these uh, groups who are going to be meet at different times uh, throughout the week and continue our study in Acts as we encourage each other in our Christian walks. It's going to be one of the main ways that we sort of develop our core values, biblical truth, discipleship um, and community. So watch this space. But make sure if you're keen um, to come and speak to myself uh, or Chris and Cindy Mott, whom you would have met uh, as you walked in. Um, otherwise, we're going to come and ask you if you'd like to join uh, one of these groups. Um, if you are new or unfamiliar with this part of the Bible, uh, Acts records what happens immediately after Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, the disciples have been on a roller coaster journey throughout the Gospels, but little do they know that their roller coaster is only just. Beginning, Acts records some of the most extraordinary, thrilling, dramatic, true stories ever told. We read of tongues of fire upon people's heads. We read of incredible miracles and visions and conversion stories. We read of riots and persecutions and stonings and imprisonments and prison breaks and snake bites and shipwrecks and Read of a a fella getting eaten by worms. This is an epic book. There is lots in it. And through all this, Acts tracks the message of the gospel, that Jesus lives and reigns. 
And that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's the message that would change the world forever. And as Acts tracks the message, it also tells the stories of its messengers, the first messengers of the Christian message, which if you have come to believe for yourself, has actually become your message to pass on. Um, we've, we've, already, we've already covered this, but as we dive into Acts, it's important to recognise that Acts is a sequel, right? Um, Luke, the writer of Acts, also wrote the Gospel of Luke, surprise, surprise. Uh, this is the former book, right, that he, he, he writes of in verse 1 there. Keep your Bibles open, by the way, um, if you can. And we learn that he writes to the same individual, Theophilus. Now, sequels are a little risky, aren't they? They often don't quite live up to the original. Think Star Wars, right? I mean, who, who watched the latest Star Wars? Just a quick raise of your hands. Who watched the latest Star Wars? The Rise of Skywalker. That is a... Okay, fantastic, okay. I mean, what was that? What was it? It was... Oh, man. Anyway, nothing can live up to... Often, nothing can live up to the originals. But Luke's sequel in Acts is just as compelling. Listen to this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That is, all that Jesus did while he walked the earth until the time he was crucified was only the start. So Luke's gospel is about what Jesus began to do and teach. And Acts is about what he continues to do and teach. So this sequel lives up to its original because it's got the same main character. Jesus is still the the main character. He is the one who will be at work behind the scenes to achieve the purposes of of God. And the purposes of God, according to Luke, are twofold. And he gives us a really helpful summary right at the end of his first volume. Right at the end of Luke, he gives us this summary. In Luke 24, 46, Jesus explains, this is after he's risen, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now sometimes that is where we can think that God's plans and purposes begin and end. But no, there's more. Verse 47, Jesus continues, And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so did you notice that verse 46 is actually a really good summary of Luke's gospel? And verse 47 is a really good summary of Acts. Okay, The purposes of God include both the events at the centre of the gospel itself and the spread of the gospel message. And just as Jesus achieved the first, he's going to achieve the second. And he can achieve the second because he's alive. Did you pick up on that emphasis as, we, as Michelle read the Bible for us? In verse 3, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And actually Luke, right at the end of Luke, chapter 24, actually records some of these appearances. But did Jesus really rise from the dead? That is a key question. 
That is a key question for you. doesn't matter how old you are. Did Jesus rise from the dead? That is a key question. Whether you trust in Jesus or not. Because from our perspective, death can seem so final, so inevitable, that the thought of someone overcoming death seems absurd. It seems outrageous. And yet, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then the Christian's faith is worthless. It's futile. We are fools. If Jesus did rise from the dead, however, then not only does Christianity have merit, it gives the whole of humanity purpose and meaning. It is the single most important event recorded in human history. And it is very well attested to. In fact, many historians concede to the resurrection being the most plausible outcome given everything that we know about those few crucial days. Jesus died. He was buried in a known tomb. The tomb was later found empty. And four, he later appeared to people post-mortem or post-death. And the resurrection is going to become a key theme for us in Acts because of the trials and the persecutions and death that Jesus' followers will inevitably face. Knowing that Jesus has risen gives us hope that we too will rise. Have you ever seen one of those really long freight trains, you know, the ones I'm talking about? Sometimes you can't even see the engines Um, at, at the front, but they're there, aren't they? Sometimes the train is so long that you can't even see the tracks, but they're there too. And the carriages follow in the tracks of their engines. And in the same way, Christians follow in their tracks of their leader, Jesus. And not only has Jesus gone ahead of us and sort of laid down the tracks for us, but he sends his spirit to power his followers on, who can sort of look ahead and know for certain their final destination. They mightn't be able to see all the ups and downs before then, but they can see their final destination. The resurrection is key to living out the Christian life. And uh, the apostles, they were convinced, right? And if Jesus isn't dead, then that means his message isn't dead. In fact, it means that we should sit up and take note of it. And in verse 3, we read that Jesus gives his disciples an intensive on this message. In fact, he gives them a 40-day intensive on this message. Oh, what it would have been like to be there, right? And the kingdom of God, if you remember, uh, was a key theme of Jesus' teaching. And it's going to be a key theme of the disciples' teaching as well. His messengers must know the message that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. But Jesus not only teaches his messengers the message, he empowers his messengers to take the message. So verse 4 and 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Now, more on that next week. But at this 
time, at this, as we begin our journey in the book of Acts, it's really important to remember that it is Jesus who empowers his message, messengers to take the message. Okay? It is Jesus. And so even at this point, we get the sense that whatever happens next in the book of Acts, whatever happens next, Jesus is going to be the one who initiates it, who empowers it. And even now it is him who builds the church. This here, this is Jesus' ministry. This isn't ours. It's about him. It's not about us. It's really important to remember. Because it can so easily become about us. In fact, I think the longer that you've been a Christian, the longer that you've been in and around churches, the harder it is. It's very easy to begin to think that because I've put my blood, my sweat and my tears into this, because I've put my time and my money and energy into this, that it is somehow mine and now somehow about me. It can so easily become a stage on which you perform for others and it needn't be a physical stage. It can so easily become something you do to feel needed or wanted But do you notice how that's all about us? It can so easily become about being able to express yourself or satisfy yourself. But did you notice how that's all about us? Now, Jesus does call all those who trust in him to serve, to build up the body. That is the church, right? So we're going to be challenging each and every one of you who come here on Sundays to be involved in the ministry, but check your attitude and motive regularly. Let's remember as we launch this 5pm evening church that this is all about Jesus and his glory. We need to remember this, don't we? As uh, we are called on to serve, whether it be at the barbecue, in the kitchen, uh, up the front during the service, welcoming team, music team, whatever it might be, we must be okay with being unnoticed. And overlooked. Uh, consider um, Barsabbas, right? Um, who later in chapter one, do you, do you remember reading about him? Later in chapter one, he is actually overlooked uh, when it came to uh, choosing a replacement apostle. What became of him? Who was that guy? <laughs> For that matter, who's Matthias? We don't know. And you know what? That's okay. Because they are not the stars of the show. Jesus is. It is Jesus who will continue his work now through his people. And that is an enormous comfort, isn't it? As we prayed and planned and made preparations for this service, um, this verse kept coming to mind from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. And in Acts 1, we discover that now Jesus is at work through his people and through his church. Jesus is on the move. And uh, the apostles pose Jesus a question in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You see, uh, Israel, God's people, the Jews had been under the political dominion of Rome. 
and the Jews were eagerly awaiting uh, a time when God would sovereignly intervene. And Jesus' answer would both confound their assumptions and, at the same time, exceed their expectations. Despite having attended a 40-day intensive on the kingdom of God, the disciples still misunderstood three things. They misunderstood the kingdom's nature, they misunderstood the kingdom's domain, and they misunderstood the kingdom's timing. See, Jesus answers here in verses 7 and 8. And verse 8, by the way, is probably the key verse uh, in the book of Acts, maybe. Listen to this. Listen to Jesus' response. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the disciples had misunderstood the kingdom's nature. The kingdom is heavenly and spiritual. And they would soon get a sense of this, right, as Jesus ascended. The disciples had misunderstood the kingdom's domain. The kingdom is universal. It's not national. And I think sometimes us Aussies need to be reminded of this. We've been greatly blessed in this country. But the Bible, the gospel, is not just for us Aussies. It's not just for Westerners. It's for all people. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus describes these ever-widening circles of witness. Notice that? And Acts actually tracks this, uh, tracks this progress. The apostles first witness in Jerusalem in chapters 1 to 8. And then they witness in Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 to 12. And then to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles in chapter th- chapters 13 to 28. But third, the disciples had also misunderstood its timing. The kingdom is now and not yet. It had come, but not in its fullness. The apostles will receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them, but they still had a job to do. The kingdom would advance as the gospel goes out. And we're going we're to see this over the next couple of weeks. You see, at one time, God's people were meant to be this beacon, right? Where, where a beacon of light, where people would be drawn into this light. But Acts starts this new era, this new age, where God sends his messengers out to witness. The church is the home base. We are like an aircraft carrier, a bit of a transport theme this evening. We're like an aircraft carrier. Have you ever seen one of these? I haven't. (laughs) But they tell me they're huge. They are just humongous, right? And aircraft carriers, they equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. Okay? So we are to learn to witness to share the gospel out there in the community. right? That's all we are. We're an aircraft carrier. And when we do, it is not just us who witness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit witnesses with us. Remember, it is Jesus who is looking to accomplish God's purposes, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins be preached in his name to all nations through his people. He is the one who is at work as we witness. 
And if you are not a believer, if you are not a follower of Jesus, then it is he who right at this very moment is pulling at your heart. He wants you. And for us who already know and trust him, there is a difference, right, between being an advocate and being a witness. It's a subtle difference, but it's real difference. Being an advocate for Jesus simply means you publicly support him, right? It's like holding up a I'm pro-Jesus sign. I think that's one of the challenges that Christians face on social media. Often that is all that we can do. That is how we come across. We hold up a I'm pro-Jesus sign. But that is not all we're actually called to do. We're called to witness. We're called to introduce people to the Jesus that we know. And as we do it, we do it with confidence because the Holy Spirit empowers us. He is at work in you as he is at work in your friend and in your neighbour and in your family members. And there is some urgency in this mission. In verse 9, Jesus is taken up. He ascends. But in verses 10 and 11, one of my favourite scenes in Acts, uh, while the disciples were looking intently up into the sky, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You see, our call to witness rests on Jesus' command, but it also rests on his coming back. We do not know the time or date. Jesus has made that clear. And anyone else who, anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. We do not know the time or date, but he will return to judge the living and the dead. The scene uh, in verses 9 to 11 strikes us as quite alien, doesn't it? It conjures up images of E.T. or any other number of Hollywood depictions of aliens. But this really happened. It really happened. And what does Jesus' ascension mean? What does it mean except that he has been exalted? And so Jesus, who we have come to know who will play a key role in what is to come, is playing that role from a position of triumph and power and authority. Jesus' ascension doesn't mean to imply that somehow he is now absent and inactive. Ascension emphasises the place from which Jesus rules for the rest of Acts and indeed for the rest of time. He has supreme authority over everything and everyone. And in the ups and downs of Acts, and there are lots of ups and downs in Acts, it's very important to remember this. And indeed, in the ups and downs of our lives, it is very important to remember this, that Jesus lives and he reigns. And because of this, we have a certain hope of the future and a confidence in the present as we look ahead. So already in chapter 1, we are beginning to see that this won't be so much acts of the apostles as sometimes this book is referred to, but acts of the risen Lord Jesus. Right? As Jesus ascends to a place of triumph 
and power and authority, the Spirit will descend to continue the work that Jesus began. So if Luke's gospel is all about what Jesus began to do and teach, Acts is all about what he continues to do and teach. But in our story, the disciples have to wait. And they wait in anticipation of this gift that has been promised, the Holy Spirit. And by the end of chapter 1, they're still waiting. But as you shall read next week, they don't have to wait for too long. Jesus chooses his messengers. Jesus sends his messengers. And Jesus equips his messengers. There you go. Acts chapter 1. Uh, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you uh, that you have revealed your purposes to us and that Jesus has fulfilled them and is fulfilling them even now through his people. Father, we thank you for your word. May it live in us this week and bear much fruit for your glory. Amen.